Uh, I got a message for you this morning that is a different, it's kind of a, a step away from just the regular sermon series we're in. Um, I've been in Japan for two weeks and God's been downloading some stuff to me and to uh, my head and my life and my heart and my position as pastor here. And uh, we were in the, the series we just started on, Who Do You Think You Are? And it's about the Christian's identity and what we ought to believe that Jesus believes about us and says about us. And it's so important for us to stand on that because it gives us strength to, to combat the enemy and to just keep holding on and all that. But... Uh, I went on this trip to Japan and God's been speaking to me and I came back and I shared with our leaders the other night. We have a monthly uh, meeting we call Equip where we're always trying to equip and push and bless and train our leaders in this church. And so there's about 200 people that sit in this room um, every first Tuesday of the month and it's like the people who are in charge of many churches, ministries, staff, council, any type of leadership position in our church. And anyway, I shared some stuff that I felt like God was saying to me and in, in regards to our church, and look, look, look at your notes, what it says in the title. What's God saying to HCKB right now? And I shared with them, and several of them said, you know, you got to make sure you share that all with the church. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, a lot of what I'm going to share, I'm going to bring about in uh, January when we do a vision weekend, a couple weekends, and kind of as a church, figure out where we're going and what God has for us. And as I was thinking that, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm glad the leaders are fired up, and they got the same heart and the same vision. And uh, a couple of them were saying, yeah, you need to share it. And then I felt the Holy Spirit saying, you need to share it with the church, but you need to share it with them right now because I'm talking to you right now. So sometimes you got to do away with the sermon series that we come up with on our own somewhat and take time to hear from the Lord when he's speaking right away. So anyway, we're going to just break from the sermon series a little bit. And today I'm just going to share my heart on what I believe God is saying. Carl, this is for you. This is for Hope Chapel Kanue Bay right now, the season you're in. And I hope you glean some stuff because I've been just blessed and I've been, there's all these things that God's imparting to us. And I hope it blesses you as well. Um, take out your notes because I want you to write down some of this stuff because I absolutely believe that this is God's heart for us personally as a church right here, right now, and it'll apply to your lives. But I want to talk a little bit about lessons from guest speakers. And I want to start off by asking you guys, how did you enjoy Shane Baxter last week? Was he good? Was it fun? Um, I want to hear from a couple people. I didn't get to hear it myself. I have, I've been busy this whole week. I want to like go back and listen to the podcast or whatever. I didn't get to hear it. I talked to him this week, and he's calling from Australia, you know, and he's like, hi, mate, thanks for letting me come and share with the church. And I was like, oh. Thank you. I like your accent. Uh, But he said he loved you guys, and God's moving in his church at home. He just started another extension service, but he was super blessed to be with you. But um, I heard a lot of good things from you guys and on Facebook and stuff like that. But I want to just hear and let us be reminded of the words that not just Shane was speaking into you, but God was speaking through Shane into you. But let's be reminded about what we learned. So anybody, raise your hand. Tell me something that you learned. Edna, always the hand right up. This woman loves Jesus, and I love her. So we got a we got a mic for you. There you go. Yeah. I really, I really loved it. That um, the topic or the title of his service was "Speak to It." Speak to it. And um, at the time, my youngest son had um, uh, the day he found out that uh, he had heart disease and that there was the doctor said that there was no hope. Notice I said the doctor said oh, because in Jesus Christ there's always hope. Amen. Well, Amen. that same day he lost his job a job that he had been on for a year and gotten promoted to manager. And he sent me this text saying that uh, he was going to kill himself. He was tired of living in the whole nine yards. Well, when I came that Saturday and I heard the service and 
he, he was saying, speak to it. Speak to those negative things in you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a chance to call my son that Saturday night. But Sunday after church, I went home. And I followed what God was telling me in my heart. And I began to speak to those things that were trying to pull him down. Mm-hmm. Here's a kid that preached his first sermon at the age of 14, wow. and the enemy has been trying to take him out ever since. Yeah. So anytime there's something that's in your life, be sure to speak to it. Preach. Not speak at it, Preach. not look at it, speak to it. Amen. I spoke to him, I said, shut up, don't say anything. Yep. And I went up one side of him and down the other, <laughs> I said, I'm the mother, I'm the oldest, I go before you do, so get yourself together. The next night, I look on Facebook, he's on Facebook, acting like he's back in his right mind. Yeah. And I praise God. Praise God. That's good. Wow. That is awesome. So speak to it. That was the, the main thing. Someone else, what's something you got out of Shane? What was the, the phrase or the topic or the, the idea right here? Daddy. Um, well, he said uh, when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus that um, even his, Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, there's still things that are dead. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, I, have, I have the presence of Jesus in my life, but there's still things that I need to speak to and declare in my life so that it could come to life, That's so good. that I could start making noise and start, you know, start building. So um, I was just like, wow, that makes so much sense. Even if we have the presence of Jesus in our life, it doesn't mean that everything in our life is alive. Yeah. So we have to speak to it. That's good. So we have to take authority. Good and, job. Yeah. You know, Amen. So. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Something you got out of last week's? There's a hand over here. Run, Tammy. Run. I hope I don't trip. That would be funny. I learned something last week, and I'm new to being in church. I haven't been in church since I was 17, so I'm surprised I don't get struck by lightning. Thank you for being um, with us. (laughs) But I learned to um, lean through the middle of it. And what I mean by that, I'm going through something, and usually I fight my way through the middle of something. But this time I decided to lean through it with God. And hopefully... In due time, I will pass through the middle of it. Amen. So. <laughs> you will, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for sharing. That, those are amazing things. I want to I wanna share with you, and I know there's so much more that you guys could have said, but I'm, I'm glad that you were blessed. And here's, here's, this leads into my first kind of my point of here's what God, I believe, is speaking to me and actually to you guys, to us together as this church is the lessons from the guest speakers. Is it when guys like Shane Baxter come, guys like Rod Plummer, you know, the other Australian that's in Tokyo right now, we actually went on this trip to his conference for two days and we're so blessed and we took him out to dinner and all this stuff. But he and his crew came and shared with us a few weeks back. Um, we've had other guest speakers. We're going to continue. We actually have on New Year's weekend, I'm having a guest speaker come in. Um, Pastor Fernando Castile, he's a good friend of mine from New Hope Diamond Head. He's going to come and he's going to share and impart some stuff to us. I've got in January, or uh, actually later in the year, I've got another pastor friend of mine that's, that's nearby here um, in our own town, and he's, he's a brother that's coming, working with us to reach the windward side, and he's a pastor of, of New Hope Windward. Dave Barr is going to come and share with us in March, and I'm loving that we're allowed to just bring in all of our friends and go together. Uh, in January, I'm bringing in one of your guys' favorites, John Bevere. You guys responded to him. He's coming back. But... Um, God's, God's telling me, because uh, I've been questioning, God, is it okay to bring in all the 
all the different guest speakers and what's our standard. And even when I miss a lot, because I have to travel and all that, we let our own staff pastors come in and speak to you. And we got some amazing, Pastor Tom, Pastor Rob, you know, Pastor Scott. We got all these, Frank, we got all these really good guys in the church. And um, one of the things that I, I just want to share with you that God has, God has been challenging me with is, um, here's what we're learning from having the guest speakers is, when you share the pulpit with other people and to come in and speak to your church, you're giving a new perspective, a new personality, fresh insight, and sometimes new angles on stuff. And you're, if I can be humble enough to share the stage and the microphone, then God is going to stir up new things in our church. The other new thing that kind of goes along with that is the more that we share resources, the more we begin to understand as a church, as a culture, you and I don't show up to church for the person on the stage. We show up to church because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so our church is beginning to become a church where it used to be back in the day, the pastor was the one guy that did everything. And if, oh, pastor's not there, I don't want to go to church. I'm just, maybe I'll watch the live stream or maybe I won't watch. Wait till he comes back from his trip. But we're, we're beginning to understand and, and get to the value of not comparing people, but really to the place where when I show up to church, I'm going to meet with God no matter who's giving me God's word and his message. And so it's cool to see in our church, people aren't really doing the whole deal like, oh, wait, who's speaking today, Tom? Oh, he's not my favorite. Let's wait until Pastor Frank comes in or wait, Pastor Carl or this is that. I'm not hearing that and I love that. I love that sometimes I come back from my trips and everyone's like, oh, Pastor Tom is like better than you, you know? That's good that you would say that about the senior pastor, that it's not about putting people up on pedestals. It's just about people bringing the word of God and that we're here because of Jesus. But you guys get what I'm, I'm, I'm saying right now? Is that one of the lessons God is saying is, is there's many gifted people in the body and it's okay to share because you bring new insight and perspective. And what happens when guest speakers come? They come and a lot of times, this is what I see, they confirm the actual move of God that's already been talked about in our very church. And that's a God thing. And you let people come in and confirm what God's already doing. That's the kind of stuff I get chicken skin on, like, oh my gosh, I just preached on that. How did you know? Hey, this is what God was telling me, and I'm just coming to confirm it. I love that stuff. So we want to be about this guest speaker thing that God is, God is talking to me. Here's the point, I think, is that we ought to be open in our lives to letting different people speak into our lives. In your guys' lives personally, don't always focus on, well, I have this one friend, and I listen to everything they say, or my one pastor, or my one... God is saying, I can speak through anybody and anything. Remember the Bible he spoke through a donkey? You guys remember the story of Balaam's? Okay, I'm, just, I'm not going to swear, but this is the word. Balaam's ass. That's what they say, King James Version. They're, they're referring to a donkey, okay? So don't quote me wrong. I'm saying, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. He can speak through any of us. And when we get open enough and not comparing enough and not like trying to build, I'm the rock star pastor and it's all about me and my kingdom, when I can throw that away and say, please, I want to hear other people come and speak godly words to my family and bless us together, I think we're on the right track because God uses all of his gifts and all of his team members. So he can speak through any of us, but we need in our lives to be open to listening to other people. There's a, a part in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul says, some of you are saying, I follow Paul. Some of you are saying, I follow Apollos. And he goes, you know what? We, we work as a team together. Listen to all the different people that God has to speak into your life. Be open to them. Because one of us is going to plant the seed of faith in your, in your life. One of us is going to come along and water it. But the Holy Spirit's going to make it grow. So be open to all the people that can invest in your life. Just be open to new people. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. 
The more you have people coming in and sharing and speaking into your life, the more you let come in, the, the, it's more godly counsel you're going to be receiving. The more you're at a place of safety, the better your chances at succeeding in life. So that's what I've been learning about guest speakers, and we need to be open to people speaking into our lives. Here's the second thing, lessons from Japan. I went on this Japan trip for 10, 11 days, and I went with um, church leaders, actually. It, was, it just turned out to be this way that I had several staff members, several church council members, and then other people that were on the team are just leaders in various ministries and small groups in our church. I got a picture of them. I'll show you a couple trip pictures. The first picture is the best picture I had of our entire team, and I know it's not that great. It's in, <laughs> I took it in a mirror in the elevator in Haneda Airport. And there's some of our Japanese friends in there too. And yes, that's Trevor right there with the weird look on his face. I don't know what's going on. Um, but, oh, and I have a list. Yeah, there's Trevor. Um, but this is our team right here, all of these nine. And they're all leaders in one way or another in our church. And the thing that God was teaching me through this trip is all about building unity. And the value of, in our church, we need to make sure that we're building unity that it's worth fighting for. In our personal lives, God thinks that unity amongst us as brothers and sisters and people in our lives, it's worth fighting for. And by fighting, I don't mean fighting for your way and someone else fighting for their way. I mean fighting to find that happy medium where there's mutual compromise, where we're saying, I'm gonna submit to one another in love, like it says in Ephesians 5, and that means sometimes you suck up a little bit of your attitude and opinion and them theirs, and you come together because when you work together, you're gonna to get a lot of stuff done at a faster rate, amen? And so some of the things that even pastors have been speaking over me in prophetic words is, your church is about to turn a corner. Your church is on the road for something big. Your church is something big. I have people in this church who are set to go out on mission trips, and God said, nope, not postpone that later because you need to be home because something big is gonna happen in your home church. And I'm just going, really, God told you that? They're like, yeah, I don't know what it is, Carl, but I'm confirming with you, God's doing something big in this church. And so we need to be excited about that kind of stuff, but we gotta work together as a team. So when I took this team to Japan, it's like I got staff members, I got council members, we're all doing this, we're in this thing together, we're having that same heart, the same mind, and making connections, and that was really good. So I learned that in Japan. I learned it from reading in the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah, these are a couple books of prophecy in the Old Testament that they talk about God's people, his Israelites, were taken out of Jerusalem in Judah. They were taken to Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Their temple to worship God was destroyed. They were taken over here as foreigners in a strange land. And God said, you know what? There's going to come a time when that ends. And right about the time in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, you read that the Persian king Cyrus, I believe it is, um, I'll go double check, but he said, um, God spoke to me and wanted the Jews to go be able to build, rebuild their own temple and go back to their homeland. So about 42, 43,000 of them returned. 70 years later, they went to go home to reoccupy the land, to come together as a, as a people group and to rebuild their temple so they could get back to worshiping God. And here's the incredible thing that says, they went back, they rebuilt the temple. It took them like 20 years because there was opposition, but they got it done. But you know how they got it done? Ezra chapter three, verse one. It says, in early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. God is all about unity. God is wanting to do big things in us and through us, but it's gonna happen 10 times faster if we're all together and we're in unity. So I would just recommend, give you a little bit of advice here this morning. And there's people in your life, in your church, in your family, that you're a little bit having some friction with or whatever, 
What could you do to find the compromise, to learn to submit, to love one another? And maybe you're not gonna get your complete way, but maybe as you kind of back off a little bit and come together, the unity and God's blessing is just gonna unleash a new chapter, a new level in your life. Unity is important to God. This is what I learned in Japan. Here's another thing I learned in Japan, that we are to continue learning from godly examples. This is what I mean by that. I took my team over there to go to this Jesus Lifehouse conference, Pastor Rod Plummer. He's got the fastest growing church in Japan and he's all about discipling and he's had a track record, long years of ministry and I'm kind of pulling my ministry and a lot of what I'm doing, learning under the coaching and mentoring of Pastor Rod Plummer. Also, we went to this conference and the key speaker there was, was uh, Pastor Brian Houston from Hillsong Church, Australia. And I've recently in the past few years really come to appreciate and to learn and to grow and be coached and mentored by the leadership and, and teaching and the, the example of Hillsong Church Australia. Now I gotta tell you this, just to clear the record because I get criticism on this, is Hope Chapel Kanyoi Bay gonna become Hillsong Kanyoi Bay? Absolutely not. But I can tell you this, I'm gonna look for people in my life that are a few steps ahead of me and have successes and have gone through experience and failures and things I can learn from, and I'm gonna follow them because the Bible is all about discipleship, it's all about finding coaches and mentors. Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. Follow someone that's a godly example that's a few steps ahead of you, take their foundation, learn to build on it and make it your own. Now it doesn't say to copy and be exactly like anybody, and we're never gonna do that but we're gonna take things that are working and things that are helpful, and I'm gonna, th I'm gonna throw myself under the tutelage and the mentorship of people like Rod Plummer, who I, I trust, who he said, he said, mate, there's only a few churches in the whole wide world where we feel like family. Your church is one of them. We're the same heart, the same mind, the same vision. And I just said, thank you. And you know what? I wanna receive that. And God says, that's a good thing. Never get to the point where you think you know it all and your way is the best way. Because God's kingdom is filled with creativity, it's filled with new revelation, it's filled with all of the gifts, and have coaches in your life. And that's why our church is finding godly examples. So I would say that to you. Who's coaching you? Who do you have to look to that's a few steps down the road in their faith with, with Jesus that you could say, I'm gonna listen to that guy because he's got something to say, amen? So we gotta have those. We gotta have those mentors and, and coaches in our life. Look for them in your life. You see that all throughout the book of Kings and Chronicles. How it says a lot of times, like this king came after this king, came after this king, and some of them were godly and God blessed them, and some of them were evil and God destroyed them or bad things happened to the kingdom. All throughout First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, it says stuff like this king did what pleased God just as his predecessor did. Or this king did evil in the sight of God and therefore his thing fell apart just as his predecessor did. I wanna be someone that is learning from those that have gone before me and their example and doing stuff like them so that I can have the blessing that they've learned from. Is that good? So we gotta have coaches, I'm learning that. I'm learning that we need to always be equipping other people. That God has called us to that. I have a picture of some of the people in the church that we stayed at. Do we have that next picture up there? The next picture is us and our team with some of the people that we've invested in over the years from going back to the same church every year in Japan. And I question God, God, why do we keep going back to Japan? Why do we keep going back to these certain churches in Japan? Are we, is there really fruit? And it's like God was saying, look at the fruit that you produce. You got young people that are finding Jesus, they're rising up, they're starting ministries of their own, they're doing all of this exciting stuff. We had the opportunity to run an outreach that reached 66 non-Christian kids in the community who brought like 50 of their parents. So we gave them the gospel message, we reached out, we plugged them into the local church. While we 
we were there, they said, can you do a seminar on mini church? I said, yeah, sure, let's talk mini church. Can you do a seminar on worship? Sure, Pastor Trevor, tell them about worship. Can you do a seminar on children's ministry? Yep, Cindy, Cindy Lou, Pastor Cindy, she's done that for years, and we're just all about, let's just give away what we have, share our testimony and give away, and God says, to me in this, never stop equipping other people. Investing in people is the greatest investment you can ever make in your life. And that's not just for the church, that's for every individual in this room. You have something that God's given you to give away to other people. And you may feel like, I barely know God. Was it the sister that shared, I'm kinda new to this church and all that stuff? She has amazing things to share. Every one of us in this room, no matter if you feel like you only have a little bit to share with someone else, someone else has none and your little can change their life and change their eternity. And not only them, but who are they gonna give it to and give it to? You guys understand what, what this is this God, I hope it's okay. God's just downloading all this and I'm just trying to keep up and go, I gotta tell my church this is good stuff. And so he's just saying, keep equipping other people. I got another picture of a bunch of pastors that we've been involved in helping their churches over the years. And the president of our, our denomination in Japan, he's sitting there and we're sharing stuff with him. And there's another guy there, um, Pastor Ohigashi from up north. Where's my deal? This guy right here, he's, we've been investing in his church and equipping him for years and years. And guess what? He only has a church of like 20 people. Maybe as big as 40, but actually some of our guys have been there and they say, it's pretty small, Carl. And I go, oh, well, how's he doing? Well, check this out. We keep equipping him. He says, yeah, my church is only this big, but I've started five other ones in Japan and I preach at two of them every weekend and I've raised up other leaders to support all the other ones. I'm like, this guy, little church? He's planting churches because we keep telling him it's all about church planting. It's all about raising disciples, investing in other people. Then he gets his own mission and he goes, you know what? I need to go to India because in all these villages, they don't have fresh drinking water. So I'm gonna, me and my church are gonna help fund and get other people together. We're gonna bring fresh drinking water to each village that we go to, and we're gonna start a Christian church in each village that we go to. What I recently heard was he, his church plants and his, his clean drinking water is in the 70s. And here's, do you guys hear what I'm saying? Not 70-year-old people. I'm saying he started over 70 churches by bringing clean drinking water to churches in India. Meanwhile, he's over here. I just got 20 people in my church in Japan but the guy is lighting up the world. And we're a part of that in equipping and investing in these people. So this is what God's saying, keep investing, keep encouraging. The next photo is just um, always looking for opportunities. Here's the team. I was talking with all the pastors. They're over there on the side, ministering to one of the pastor's wives. She's in tears. They're praying for her in the, in the restaurant, laying hands on her. The waiter's like, uh, dozo? You know, like, what's going on? But they're looking for opportunities always to be equipping, and I love that about our church. Um, the next thing I learned in Japan, the next, next lesson, God was saying to me and our church, always be looking to build new relationships. Always be looking for new friendships. Write that down, people. Always be looking for new relationships. You know why? Sometimes we get the same old people together, the same people in our life forever, and those are just our go-to friends. It's great, it's good, but sometimes we get a little stale. We get a little stagnant and we forget about the great commission that says go into all the world, not just to your little clique. Cliques are awesome and we should all have them, but we should also always be open to inviting more people into the clique and starting new cliques so that everybody has, that's really what mini church is all about, right? And so really, we need to always be looking for new relationships. We met this family um, just recently. They've known about us. They based their church on a teaching my dad gave 17 years ago when their pastor came to Hawaii to learn how to start a church. They built their church on our whole example. We don't even know it. We just recently met. First time I went to their house, saw their church, was in Chiba where they minister, found out they've got this church of 150 people. They've got 
90% of their people in small groups and mini churches. Because they said, well, we learned that from you. And I was like, whoa, we better get back on the, on the game here. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. But there's strength in numbers. When you open yourself up and allow yourself to make new friends, who knows what God could do through that relationship. Now these people have a new building they got, and they're saying, you know, we have a new building. We'd love to host teams. Can you send youth teams or something to us so we can go reach our city better? So I said, never stop equipping. Never stop making new friends. We're going to send teams to them next year. Isn't that cool? But, but God is saying to us as a church, keep building the new relationships. Keep expanding the kingdom. Here's now, and I got more stuff, but I, there's just so much God's has given me. But here's the lessons I'm getting from home, from right here in our church. And I want to share these with you. And I want to make you aware of them because you may not be aware of all that's going on. Is it when we live in obedience and we're quick to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading in our life, and right now our church is going through lots of change because we're trying to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And he's saying to redo this and revamp this. And Carl, your dad built a legacy and he built a foundation. It's up to you now to take that and to go bigger and to take it further. He's expecting it. I'm expecting it. Keep going big and keep going strong. And the more that we're obedient to that and we live that out, you know what's going to come? God's favor and momentum is going to be evident in our church. And it's evident in our church. There's so many people with these new testimonies. There's leaders rising up. There's, there's a new building being built that you guys drive by every week, right? You see that children's church that the foundation is being laid out? Don't just be mad because it's ugly and you're getting dirt on your car. Be excited that we're doing something for the cakey in this church, yeah? But God, is, his favor is with us. Um, Financially, we've been more generous this year than we've ever been in the past. And you know what? God's rewarding it, and our finances as a church are still growing and still doing good. Our numbers are still growing. God is blessing us because we're trying to listen and be obedient to him. And there's a lesson in that for you and I right there. When you're living in obedience, you're going to know it because God's going to get behind you, and he's going to bless you. Um, the fact that we have four Christmas Eve services this year says that we're outgrowing the three that we had before. And the fact that everybody wants to come to that like middle of the night one, we got the six, the eight, and the 11 in times past. Everybody wants to come to that eight o'clock when it works good for people. But you know what we found? We don't have enough room to house everybody. We heard people at the back door saying, oh, it's too full, we can't get in, let's go somewhere else, and wanting to leave. And so instead of us going, oh, that's too bad, I wish they'd come, or wish they'd go to another service, we're saying we better do something. So we better start another service at Ben Parker so that we can catch all those people, so we can fit them into our church family. And here's what I wanna ask of you guys. You guys who are already in the family, you're already comfortable, you know this is your church, would you be willing to, just consider this, take one for the team and you go to the Ben Parker service that's at the popular time so that the new people can have your empty seats to come into this house and get used to this campus and this family of God. Is that good? I want us to be strategic about reaching the lost and why make the new people go to the, the school setting? Why don't we invite them right into our home by us leaving and leaving our seats behind for brand new people to get in the door and to find Jesus Christ for the first time? Is that good? So God's doing good stuff and, and I'm excited to get behind it. So favor and momentum are gonna come if we're being obedient. But here's another lesson that I learned and I want you to write this one down. With godly momentum comes opposition. We better be aware that there's a very real enemy that exists in this world. And we know that, right? We know that the, the enemy is on the loose and he's trying to stop whatever God's doing in our lives and in our church and in our movement. And sometimes, how many of you guys have ever felt this, I wonder? You get excited, you start going next level with God, you press into him, your faith grows, you start stepping out in faith, you do something big for him, and suddenly you feel all of these attacks coming your way. Anybody feel that stuff? That's, that's a common thing. Scripture tells us that that's gonna happen. In fact, 
It says this in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11. It says, um, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your brothers, your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world, they're going through the same thing, kind of suffering that you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, say a little while. How many of you guys need to hold on to those words today? After I've suffered a little while, God, please, right? What does it say? It says he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he'll place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. You know what this verse is saying? Yes, we're going through favor right now. Yes, good things are happening right now, but hardship is going to come, but it's only going to be there for a season if you keep holding on to the goodness of God. See, I can tell you this right now. In my life, this past year has been one of the greatest years of my life, one of just the most amazing, godly years of my life, just transitional, amazing stuff in my life, but it's also been one of the hardest years of my life. There's stuff going on in my life and stuff going on in our church where there's been criticisms, there's been divisions, there's been um, attacks on people's health, there's been attacks on relationships, there's been some broken marriages, there's been some losses of life, some death, all in a season, and we're just going, what? There's been some blows, and the enemy is having his way, and he's there. He's prowling around looking to devour us. And I feel it in my own personal life. He's coming at me. But I got to tell you this, my God is faithful. My God holds to his promises. My God is always going to be there for the, and I got to tell you guys this, I'm just going to say it right now, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving, I'm not giving up the calling that God has in my life to you, for you, for this community, for this world. And I'm taking cracks. You know, the devil's throwing them in there at me, as I'm sure a lot of you guys are as well. But you know what? I'm holding on to my God that this is only a little while, God. This is only a little while. And if I keep holding on to you, good things are going to come. And I want you to believe that in your life too, because I've seen it time and time again in my life. The enemy pushes back, but you hold on. He keeps pushing. He keeps pushing. There's a point that always comes when he's like, enough already. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to back down. And that's when you see the, the victory and you get yourself planted on that firm foundation. Now you made it to the next level. It takes work, but it's worth it. I'm seeing that in our church. And here's the last thing that I need you to know. And this is the bulk of this sermon today. The main point that I want you to catch is God is all about relationships. Amen. So we must be also. We need to come back to the legacy that this church was built upon, which is the connectivity amongst the Christians. It's not enough to know God and to say, I have a relationship with him, and that's going to sustain you. We know that that's all it takes to get you saved, but if you don't have people constantly feeding into your life, supporting you, cheering you on, praying for you, walking through life together with you, it's a scary thing, and you could slip out of this church. We know that over 2,000 people a year come to church here, get excited, get saved, and they're fired up on God, but because they don't have the support system, they don't have the network, the connectivity, they slip through the cracks and they're out the door. We lose people. Now, I know people move away and you know, go to other churches and all that, and that's cool, but still, we need to ramp it up. A church in Japan, 90% of its people are in small groups, and they said, that's the only reason why we're growing and we're so healthy, it's because people are connected. Here's, here's what I know, that, that my dad started doing mini churches back in the 70s before small groups were cool in churches at all. Back in the day, they used to have a, the big service on the weekend, and then they would do the midweek service during you know, a Wednesday night service or something like that. And my dad goes, but that's not how I read the book of Acts. 
It says in the book of Acts that they met in the temples and they also met in the homes. And they were a community. They shared everything. They had all this life together. How could they be doing all of that just that one weekend service? They must have been meeting in small groups and hanging out with one another. That's why they were so strong and did what they did. So he started doing that. It says right here in the, in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. See, what I know is for us to connect people to God, we need to stay connected to each other. And mini church for Hope Chapel Kanye Bay is our very best tool that we have to connecting people and to keeping them in the family of God. Acts says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple, big group, and then they met in the homes for Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, they were praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day, the Lord added to their number, to their fellowship, those who were being saved. You know what mini church is all about? It's about doing life together. It's about being Christians and living this life together. If it was important to Jesus, it's gotta be important to us. Why did Jesus have the 12? Why did he travel around with those guys? Was it just to disciple them, or was it a common bond of, of accountability, of love, of sharing life together, of walking around? It was about the fellowship, and God is saying, you wanna keep people in the body of Christ? Make sure they're connected to the rest of the body of Christ. Make sure they're in there together. Many churches are a tool, and guys, I'm here to tell you that what God is speaking to our churches, go back to the root of the matter. How many of you guys are in mini church right now? You're actually in a mini church. That's a lot of hands. But that's not enough. I think we can do a better job. You know why? Because new people come to church, they want what we have. If we don't invite them in, they slip out and they slip away. And we need to be going after it. We need to be opening up our houses, opening up our mini church groups. Yeah, I know you love those people and you're, you got to a place where you're real intimate because it's been the same seven people for 14 years. That's cool, that's neat. But you know what, there's a great commission that says other people need to get in the family too, and we need to get out of that. And the more that you're willing to open up and start and reproduce new mini churches, the more the rest of the people can find that connectivity as well, amen? amen. So I'm hoping that I'm getting through here on you. It's not just me. Um, I, I heard Brian Houston say this the other week. You want your church to grow? And everybody's like, yeah, don't focus on church growth. Here's what he said, focus on church health. Focus on building healthy Christians by getting them connected, by walking through life together, making sure they're in discipleship, making sure that someone loves them, that they feel loved, and they can't just slip away from God without anyone noticing. So I believe that we gotta come back to that connectivity and getting people, and we gotta push mini church like we never pushed it before. Ephesians 5.21 says that we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That word submit means to cooperate, to work with, to yield to. That means it's an all-encompassing together kind of thing as we walk out our faith. John 13, 34, and 35 talks about the commandment Jesus gave us to love each other. In fact, he says, your love for one another, the fact that you guys stay connected and love each other and you're in, in each other's lives, walking out your faith together, is gonna prove to those outside the family how much they need to be in the family. Did you realize that sometimes Preaching isn't the best way to pull someone into the family of God. It's simply by loving other Christians that are in the family of God and accepting new people into the family that there's people out there that look at what we have and they're like, man, how do you have that group like that? And those people love you and they're willing to spend money on you and to pray for you and to do it. How, how do I get that? Scripture tells us the more that we connect, the more that those unconnected are gonna wanna have what we, connect, we have connected to. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 12, 9 through 12 talks about 
the value of having more people together, you can accomplish the goal better. Two are better than one. And then Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We need to come back to the thing that built this church in the first place. I'm gonna actually bring three guests up right now. And I want Tim, Vic, and Al to come forward. Why don't you guys welcome them as they come and they're gonna share about mini church real quick. It's one thing for me to preach at you, and it's a whole nother thing for you to hear people that are living it out and saying, this is real in my life. What Carl's talking about today, what the Bible's talking about, is a real deal. We need to change people's lives, but we gotta be the change, right? Not just talk about change. So first of all, this is my friend Tim. I just went on the Japan trip with Tim and Vic, and they're both New Church Council members, and they're gonna be sharing. So this is Tim. Um, Uncle Al is, I'm gonna get to him. I'm saving the best for last, if you don't mind. Really, I mean that, you'll see why. But Tim has been new to our church. He's only been in our church for 11 months. And I want him to just share his experience about mini church because I think it's going to maybe convict you a little bit and get you excited a little bit about reaching out to other people and that relationships matter. So Tim, take it away. Hi. Um, <laughs> Hi. I'm originally from San Diego. We've been in Hawaii for about a year and a half. And um, in San Diego, we had a super awesome church we went to. Um, we went all the time. We loved it. Um, and they had something similar to mini church, um, but I emphatically refused to go. I wanted nothing to do with going to a stranger's house and um, sharing things. And I was just way too awkward for me. My wife would always beg for me to go. And I was like, have fun. I'm going to stay right here. Hmm. Um, so that's how it went for a long time. Then we came to Hawaii and uh, luckily found Hope Chapel. And we knew that we were doing church wrong in San Diego. So we agreed to do church right this time. I went to an open house here. Um, I met Trevor. Trevor invited me to his mini church. And we agreed to go, even though I was still super scared about it. I, 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 I knew it was going to be awkward, but I knew it was something that we had to do. So we went. And um, I'm telling you, and I'm serious, from that night on, completely changed my life. Um, the family atmosphere there, the way that they loved us, just like they say, love you as is, so true. Um, there, there's prayer during mini church. At the very end, there's prayer. And they went around in a circle, and every single person said, thank you, Lord, for Tim and Holly. Thank you, Lord, for Tim and Holly. Thank you, Lord, for Tim and Holly. And it just absolutely blew me away. I was like, these people have no idea who I am, and they're thanking God that I'm in their mini church. So it was super powerful. Um, I loved it. So after um, we kept going, kept going, we loved it. Um, Trevor and I became pretty good buddies. After about two months, he, uh, he took me out to lunch and said, hey, have you ever thought about starting your own mini church? And I was like, whoa, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm like, There's, like, this is still new for me. I have no idea. No, please. And he's like, no, I really think you could. So he built me up for a couple more months, and then um, we ended up starting our own, my wife, Holly, and I. Everybody look at her right there. There's Holly right there. Everybody look at um, her. So we started our own. And it went super well. Um, God totally blessed us, just kept bringing more and more people. And we got super big. And um, we actually ended up uh, uh, reproducing another mini church out of our mini church uh, about two months ago. So That's awesome. Isn't that cool? Here's, here's what I think is so cool. 11 months into coming to this church, he's already like in the third generation mini church. Do you guys see that? Someone invited him, changed his life, lit him up, he now becomes a guy that's gonna go start a, his own mini church. And he's 
prospering that one, and then he's having to launch out. So how many people's lives were touched because one person invited one person to me? You guys see what God can do if we would actually be proactive about going, we're gonna build the church, we're gonna build healthy people, we're not just gonna go to church, we're gonna be the church. We're gonna live it out together. And so I just think that's super cool. So let's give it up for Tim on that one. And you can sit down, yes. Tim, by the way, I love to point it out. I don't know if he likes to talk about it or not, but Tim was a cop for 11 years in San Diego. He doesn't even look like a cop. I met him, I'm like, who's this guy, right? You know, he looks like the cops ought to be having talks with him, but he was actually a cop. Um, I just think it's super cool. And he dropped it all, they came to Hawaii, and now God's got a new plan for his life. He's also gonna be our new young marrieds pastor in this church, so thank, give it up for that too, it's cool stuff. This right here is my friend Vic, and I love Vic and his family, and we actually just hired his wife as our uh, children's ministry pastor, so we're stoked about that. Um, Vic is on the church council. Vic is, um, I wanted you to see the angle of the new guy that gets mini church and what you can do. I want you to see the angle of the military guy, because I, what I appreciate about Vic is the way his mind works. When he got a hold of mini church, he had a plan. He had like a, a disciplined military plan that I think I could learn from that, because sometimes we just think, just kind of do whatever God wants us to do. And God's sometimes saying, why don't you think about it, use wisdom, and actually have a plan? So Vic, why don't you just share a little bit about how you came into mini church, and then what your plan is. All right. Hello, everyone. Um, I, uh, I've been going to Hope Chapel for about almost four years, a little over three and a half years. And, uh, and the first 11, 12 months I, I, I came to Hope Chapel, I, I was always doing the you know, hide you know, at the end, so no one would ask me to mini church. Um, but then uh, Rob McWilliams got a hold of me one day and said, that's it, you know, you're coming to mini church. And uh, um, so started going over there and it, it changed my life. Like, like Tim said, it was, it, it's a life changer. Um, about six months into going to, to Rob's mini church, uh, he said, you know, you need to start teaching my mini church here and, you know, and start thinking about having your own mini church. About six months later, he's like, that's it, you're out. Yeah. You're out the door, the you're on your own. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So, um, so, so we, uh, my wife and I prayed about it, and we started our own mini church on base, and uh, and we, we've just been showered with blessings ever since. Cool. Uh, we have uh, right now we have about 25 people in, in wow. our mini church. It's it's really big, I know, um, but there's there's not much opportunity uh, on for the people that live on base. I, I know they could go off base, but you know the convenience is is a factor as well. Right. You know, with kids and all that. So, um, so. Our, you know, our doors are open to anyone who who come who wants to come mini, mini church on base. So, but you're doing something about that uh, absolute problem. That's what I heard. Uh, so, yeah, you know, my house is only so big. So, um, so Tim really inspired me uh, over in in Japan while we were over there. We talked a lot about you know reproducing mini churches and stuff. So he really inspired me. So this past Wednesday, after we got back, you know. I, I, I prayed about it, and uh, God like showed me the, the people in my mini church that that are, are ready, and you know to to have their own mini churches. So, so I just spoke life into that and said, you know, hey, you know, God, this is what God's telling me. And it was amazing because everyone that I spoke to said, you know what, God's speaking to me already. Wow. So it, that that was that was pretty awesome. That's cool. Um, so within the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to be starting three uh, new mini churches. Wow! Praise God for that. Yeah. Need more. And then, uh, and also, there's uh, some of the other guys I spoke to. Um, there's some circumstances that they need to go through. They're going, they're going away for a few months, mm -hmm. but when they get back, they want to start one as well. So, it's, we we have some lined up. And uh, cool. and over this weekend, you know, since we've been talking about it, 
uh, more people have been coming up and saying, hey, you know what, you know, I, I hear the need and, you know, God's speaking to me and yeah. I want to step up. So, um, so my plan uh, for the, as you so eloquently put it, it's, it's God's plan. Um, I, I was running around base and just praying and say, God, you know, how can we reach the base? You know, because there's a huge need mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, for Jesus on that base. And uh, Jesus said, hey, you know, there's, there's 24 housing areas. How about 24 mini churches? Uh, yeah. And it's, that's, that's brilliant plan, God. That's awesome. You know, we, we can do this. Um, now, what, uh, one of the issues we have is, uh, you know, we have different ranks in the military. So, you know, the, the really young guys, the guys that just came in the military, they don't really want to sit in a room with an old guy like me. Or, or, you know, the lieutenant colonel or, you know, with their, with their bosses, basically. Yeah. Um, they're not really going to open up. And so, you know, the, the point is, is to connect them with Jesus first, but then also connect them with God's family. Mm-hmm. And, and that's difficult for, the, for them to do in a setting where, different ranks, and, you know, the different ranks, they can't really open up. So, so we, we get those 24 mini churches on base. Each one of those 24 housing areas is going to have his own mini church. And, you know, each, each person will have the availability to open up and, uh, and really pour themselves into each other. So That's good. Isn't that cool? Because I think we need to have plans like that. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Dave. And um, I honestly did say I saved the best for last. This guy is uh, one of my heroes, and he's a hero in this church. If you've been any time in this church, he's been in the church for since the first year, like 29 years here in Hawaii. And he was actually an ex-cop as well, so I don't know what's going on with that. But, uh, <laughs> but God's doing some big things. And Uncle Alan and Auntie Colleen have just been a mainstay. He's had all kinds of positions in the church, men's pastor, time setters pastor. And Auntie Colleen is like the voice in the face of Hope Chapel. But um, this guy, uh, this is what I want you to know. He's the standard by which I live by in mini church. In his 29 years of being in this church, he has started and reproduced mini church over 20 times. How's that for longevity? Is that cool or what? And I got a ways to go, but that's, that's my, my point right there that I'm shooting after. But he won't give me a break because he just keeps on starting new ones, right? So I can never catch up. But I wanted you to hear from Uncle Al, someone that got it years ago and understood the value. And I wanted you to hear his heart on why he thinks it's so important to just keep reproducing mini churches and he, he's just not stopping. So <laughs> Uncle Al, share with us. Okay, uh, you know, when I, when I first uh, came to Hope Chapel, one of the things they talk about was mini church. And I followed that, really, Hope Chapel, I mean, uh, mini church is really the heart of this church. And if you're not in, in, in a mini church, you need to be in one because of the fact that if you're just coming to church on Sundays, you're not gonna know anybody. You yeah. might meet people around you, but how well do you know them? But in a mini church, you, you learn things about the people, their problems, what they're going to. You might have similar problems like them. Yeah. See, and they say, oh, you're going through the same thing too? You got a marriage problem? So really, when I say this is the heart of Hope Chapel, mini church. So you need to get in one if you're not in one. Um, you know, one of the things I like to do is I like to raise up a shepherd, you know, somebody under me. And after that, I just either send him out or I'm leaving. Mm. So it's easier for me to leave. I say, you know what, you got this mini church, I'm taking so-and-so with me, and I'm going, we're starting a new mini church. Mm-hmm. And you know what, that always works, yeah. because of the fact that we keep growing every time we start a new mini church. So, I'm just asking you guys, if you're not in, in a mini church, look for one, there's a board outside, and you know, you, you'll meet new people, you'll get to know new people, and make, make new friends. It's really important that you, 
you know, especially in this church, it's big. Get to know people. Yeah. Because how many of you guys know 10 people in, the, in this church right now? How many of you guys know at least 10 people? Yeah. There's a lot of you guys don't know so yeah. 10 people. Okay. So it's, you know what? If you guys are interested in uh, fighting a mini church, come see me. Or you can see Carl, but come see me because he's a busy guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mini church is really important. That's good. And I'm urging you today, if you can, find a mini church. Get to know people. That's good. And you're going to find that you're going to love it because you heard the other two guys. Okay, so anyway, thank you for having me. Yeah, is that good? I, I'm, I'm not a speaker. Good job. Thank you. you know, one of the things Uncle Al told me is, he said in the other service, he says, so many people get stuck in the same little circle with mini church and they don't want to expand and grow and, and get other mini churches out there. He just says, the more mini churches you do, every time he starts a new one, the more friends he makes. And now that, that guy has more friends than anyone in our church, literally, because he just keeps on bridging the gap and starting new friendship circles. And you can still be friends with the old ones, but mini churches is just getting together, doing life together. What's God doing in your life? What do you think about the sermon? Let's pray for each other. Some of them have food. Some of them have worship, whatever. It's just doing life together, and there's such a need for that. But here's the challenge, guys. I want to leave you with a challenge. I don't want to just give you all this stuff that God is saying without saying, what are you going to do about it? And this is what I, I feel like God is saying is, for Christmas Eve services, Christmas and Easter are traditionally the highest spike in attendance of any church in, in the whole year, right? The most people come on Christmas and on Easter. Well, I'm kind of tired of that. I'm, I'm kind of tired of Christmas just being the highest attendance weekend, and then it's back to normal the week after that. I want to view Christmas as a time of harvest where all those new people come and we grab a hold of them and we pull them into our mini church. We pull them into relationships. We get them to come into the family so that the week after we have way more people because we went for the harvest. Do you guys see what I'm getting at? Here's our, our challenge for us as a church. When Christmas Eve services roll around this weekend, or not this weekend, but this month, we got a few weeks to prepare. Be ready. Be ready to go after all of those new people that are going to come in and you invite them in to your family. Invite them into your, your mini church. And here's what's going to happen. In the month of January, following that, the weeks following that, all of our mini churches are going to get really big, like Vicks, 25 people or whatever. If we're doing it right, we're going to fill the mini churches to so big that come February, we have to launch new ones. It'll be a necessity. And February, I'm going to be teaching on mini church the, the whole month, mini church month. But I want us to have a plan to say, we're not going to let Christmas be great attendance. We're going to let Christmas be great harvest. And we're going to grow this church by working on the health of this church. Is that a good, good plan? I want you guys to write that down because I'm not going to do it by myself. You got to invite people. So even after church here today, are you in a mini church? Are you in a mini church? Mini church is such a good thing that helps us, but we need to do something about it. Matthew 5 talks about that we are the light of this world, right? We're supposed to shine God's light into the darkness. That we're the salt of the earth. We're supposed to flavor this earth and we're supposed to preserve it. We're supposed to bring people into relationship. Well, here's what I want you to write down your last catchphrase of the sermon today. If you get anything out of this sermon, here's what I want you to write down. Based on us being called to be the light and called to be the salt, write this down. Get lit and get salty. I better get lit and I better get salty. And I know the, the world has different definition of those terms, yeah, right? Have you ever been lit before? Yeah, different. Different Sorry, I'm talking about. But in terms of the kingdom of God and us as a church, what God is saying to us right now is, I better get lit and I better get salty. I better bring people into the family and not let them slide out through the door. I better see Christmas as a harvest, not just as a great attendance. Is that good?
Let's bow our heads and pray, and we'll get you out of here this morning. We've got a baptism to do. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you're speaking to us, Lord. Thank you. Lord, I thank you that I was able to listen. Lord, I, sometimes I miss it, but Lord, I know you're speaking on all these areas, and I just always want to be sensitive enough to, to see where you're leading me and to go where, where you would call me to go so I could follow you. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the favor, the momentum. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Help us to stand firm against the attacks and the hardships, knowing that this is only for a small season, Lord, that we're about to reap a great harvest. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that lights up the community, that invites anyone that comes here into our family, into our connectivity groups, into many churches, Father God, so that no one would slip away out, out the back door. Lord, empower us to have the boldness that we need to do so.